Well, hey, everyone. Welcome to the Access Podcast. It is Jake. And today uh, we have a special guest. We have Brad Claver from Winning at Home. And he's been on our podcast before and he's actually spoken at Access on a Thursday night. And today uh, we're going to be kind of extending our series on dating and marriage by uh, talking to Brad today. And so we're just thrilled to have you, Brad. Thanks for uh, having a conversation with us. Thanks, Jake, for having me. It's great to be a part of this circle again. I had a blast last time. had a blast coming in and being a part of Access that Thursday night. And uh, glad to be able to lend my voice to this conversation today. Yeah. Thank you. Well, we, uh, we also have um, some other friends with us today. Uh, we have uh, Abby and we have Melanie. And Alec is here as well. Uh, he might chime in uh, here and there, but ultimately we're hoping just to have a conversation on really the topic of singleness and marriage. And so uh, who, we don't really know where this conversation is going to go, but I know it's going to be good. So Abby, you want to say hi? Melanie, you want to say hi? And then we're going to jump into it. Hello. Hey. Just to make sure that we, everyone knows yeah. you're here already. Okay. So uh, to start off, uh, Brad, we're just going to ask you a question um, on, uh, ask you to kind of talk about your journey um, just in life growing up around singleness and marriage and kind of why you're passionate about really the topic of viewing singleness um, through a gospel lens. Yeah, thanks. Good question. Um, so I won't get into so many of the details of where I was when we, when we, you know, people want to listen to that previous conversation and podcast, they can go back to it. But, um, but really I grew up in a, I grew up in the church. I grew up in in a home that you know the the nuclear family was was really important. When I mean nuclear family, I mean you know blood blood relative family, and um, and really in a lot of ways, to be very honest with you, I mean I grew up in in an environment in a culture within the church, Christian school, um, where. Uh, it, it just became clear as I grew up that marriage was like the epitome of, of spiritual maturity. You know, it's like that is the arrival point in, 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 you know, in life. Um, the way conversations were had, the way that, that things were talked about, it just, it, everything revolved around marriage as the thing that in life we're, we're shooting for. And, um, and so Maybe if you're listening to that, you go, okay, so what's, what's the problem with that? What's wrong with that? Um, and in a lot of ways on its own, it, it probably is n not a threatening thing, but what made it unique for me is growing up, um, as someone who is, if you, if you have listened to that podcast from before, I have experienced and do experience same sex attraction and grew up in a, in a way where I realized early on in kind of my journey specifically in adolescence and beyond that marriage may not actually be an option for me. Um, you know, culture and times even now are so much different than what, what they were when I was a kid. The idea of same sex marriage was not on the table at all, was not even considered even in our culture, anything that was, was allowed. Uh, fast forward to today, that's a very different story, but nonetheless, wherever you land, uh, for me growing up, it, it was already this tension of here's this expectation in life that that you're meant to be married. And in fact, your pathway to, to Jesus and God in some ways in terms of, of relationship with him 
ends at that place of marriage, like, or is fulfilled and culminates at that place of marriage. And here I am as a young single man or young man growing up going, how in the heck is this going to work out for me? Because I don't see any pathway to marriage. And so I think at that point, and because there was no conversation around the, um, the beauty and the blessing of being a single individual and, and the contribution to the kingdom of God at that place, um, it was had very much in this place of, um, and of course you've got the mix, mix in there, the, 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 whatever you think of the purity culture aspect of things too. Um, you've got this really interesting cocktail of, of confusion when it came to that. And so I think that has really, um, even though today by God's grace and, and just his, his, you know, his leading, I am a married man today. I still carry with me a deep passion for for those who find themselves as a single adult or as somebody who who is is growing up wanting to help say okay well what is God's good and beautiful plan for the family of God um, that that might actually supersede and go bigger than our nuclear family ideals. Do you have any questions? I don't know. Do you guys have any questions? That's great. Um, I'll I'll launch into that little, that last statement of so what do you 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 had just said that there's a greater kingdom reality of family than maybe even just like blood family. Mm-hmm. That's very um, that's intrusive on a West Michigan you know mm-hmm. culture, and I know that's intrusive and in, that'd be intrusive in my family yeah. even and. So what do you mean by that, and how might you explain that in a way that, even though it is intrusive, it'll make sense in a biblical gospel mm-hmm. gospel sense? Yeah, good question. So I, I think the way that I look at that is, you know, first of all, how do we understand that if we are, from an adoption standpoint of things, all of us are adopted into the family of God through Christ, through the work of Jesus, we are, we are called sons and daughters, that that you know a lot of us like to 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 walk around and carry that mantle and and own that mantle and say I'm adopted I'm a, I'm God's son I'm God's daughter I'm 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 welcome in his family but then we use that word family and we immediately have in our minds uh, a definition based on the culture of family that exists uh around us and for most of us, the culture of family that exists around us is the nuclear family, is the idea of husband and wife and children. And there are things that we do in that family, traditions that we have, um, you know, opportunities that we do that like these are just things that we do together and no one else gets to share that. And I think from a gospel standpoint of things, we have to look at the fact that when when we talk about this this perspective of of sons and daughters of the father into his family we now all own a certain share of that kingdom that isn't like it, it's no longer well it's, this is for those those people over here and these are this is for these people over here like we all share in the the birthright of 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 what it means to be a part of the family which means um we we take on the the picture and the perspective in the life of the one who leads the family and you know so 
we, we see Jesus as the one who, who is leading that family, who, who shows us how to live. And that means it's sacrificial. It means it's, it's, we die to self, we die to, to, to things that make us feel comfortable. And, you know, I think the kingdom is, is, uh, is threatening sometimes to our, our way of doing life. You know, I mean, let's, let's be honest. I mean, if, again, this, this, this goes beyond the family or the the marriage and singleness conversation, but it, I mean, the kingdom of God is a threat to the ways that we do life. I mean, the kingdom of God, uh, and, and what Jesus was proclaiming threatened the systems of that day. Far be it for us to think that it doesn't threaten the systems of our day as well, including our family systems that we generally don't bat an eye to, but maybe ought to be a little bit more, um, not suspect, but like just question why, what are the reasons why we operate in this way compared to maybe what we could. So. Yeah. Um, for me, while you're talking, I was thinking about how like so often we accidentally teach as a culture, the like, as parents, like you tell your kids like, well, God's got a special man or woman for you. And you're like, as you grow up, you're like, is that even biblical? Is that like that you are promised somebody special for you? Like that is the what you're going to experience. And like this family is built up as like where we can experience intimacy and safety and like our core needs being met. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was thinking about like I've heard it quoted like it's not good for man to be alone is like actually when people have asked me out and I'm like, well, I'm not actually me personally. I'm where sorry, whole story just for where I come from. Um, I'm a part of a really big, big family and I like my cup is so full of so many like complex relationships and a lot of conflict and resolution and intimacy and all this stuff that I'm like, I'm not currently interested in dating. And so it's been quoted to me like it's not good for man to be alone, like the like go forth and multiply. Like obviously this is like part of what we were made for. And so it is it's that good thing, but what Jesus came and shook was like you say, this is your mom. You say, this is your dad. You say, this is your brother. And he really shook how we had structured ourselves and our, our patterns and structures of safety and security. And, um, yeah, it's just like, it it feels really dangerous Mm -hmm. to have that, those old patterns be made new and something different, breaking our barriers. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's, I had a, I had a guy who I was, um, coaching actually recently, who is a, a single man, um, and he shares a very similar, you know, background and history and experience as I do. He's a, he's a guy who he's same sex attracted and, and, and holds to a historical view of marriage and sexuality. And so for him, it's, it's, it's a, it's a tension. It's a wrestle of like, how, how what does this look like? But he was actually sharing with uh, a guy for the first time of a friend of his, who's, who's in community with, of, um, like the fact that, you know, marriage probably won't be a part of his story. And in some ways there's some lament that comes with that because of his background of like, again, the expectation of someday God's Mm -hmm. going to give you someone. And it's like, man, I have to lament the fact that maybe even though that was stated in, in really, you know, loving ways and with, with good intent, it actually directs us towards this thought of like, yes, there's God, but then marriage ultimately fulfills the goodness of Mm -hmm. God. And his buddy would actually, as he was sharing, he says, 
you know, don't say that yet because you don't know. And, you know, the thing is, is that how did he put it? He said something to the effect of like, you know, without marriage, you don't get to experience the fullness of God's goodness to us. And we both just sat there and, and I just had to look at him and say, I'm really sorry. I don't, I don't think that that's true because what that means is that we're saying that, that God in himself, that, that, that our relationship and our intimacy and our oneness or unity with Jesus um, is great, is wonderful, but is lacking that, that, that we need that earthly intimacy of marriage to actually, you know, compensate for that, that part of intimacy that we can't have with Jesus. And the reality is like, that's just not true. That Jesus is a, our perfect need meter. He is, he is the one who says, you come to me and I will give you all that you need. I will, I will give it to you in abundance and you, you will experience it like living water. And, and so it's that we've, we've, we've gotten it backwards. We, we go, okay, there's Jesus, but then there's this one last mm-hmm. thing that you also <laughs> need. And that's probably where that, that question comes mm-hmm. from is like, yeah, but it's not good for a man to be alone. Well, you're mm-hmm. like, I'm not alone. <laughs> In fact, I, it's possible that I can experience greater communion with Jesus in that, in my singleness than I may ever actually experience with him in marriage because I've put so much, so much, um, uh, maybe, um, I don't know, misguided and misdirected pressure on my spouse to meet needs that they mm-hmm. will never meet. Only Jesus right. can meet. Yeah, I, I actually, I grew up um, in a non-Christian home, actually on the east side of Michigan, north of Detroit. And so for me, the expectation for me was really just put on myself. My parents met when they were 19 at Michigan State. So I was like, oh, that's just normal. You'll meet, you know, I thought they were old when I first heard that. And then, you know, you get to be 19 and then you surpass that. And now I actually, I'm 30 years old, I'm single and, um, living in West Michigan was really a culture shock for me. Um, because I never, my, my mom grew me to be a really strong person and, marriage was never a priority on my parents for me to achieve. It was always like career, more career focused, um, which has its own set of brokenness and pressures. But I I really, I mean, transparently, I never really felt the insecurity of singleness until I have been like living in West Michigan with that expectation. And you know, oh, are you single? And they're they kind of like, has the connotation of like kind of feeling bad for me. And oh, I can set you up with someone. And I'm like, it's like, I never, you know, I didn't inherently felt like I had a lack. Um, other, you know, then internally in my heart desiring that, but then, you know, culturally, I, it was, it was definitely a culture shock of like, this is a cultural expectation, um, that there is a lack if you're not, you know, with someone. And I, I just, everything you're saying is just such a breath of fresh air because in this season has been one of the richest seasons of community for me. Um, my heart cry, you know, for community, I love community building and, and really, um, I've been living up here in West Michigan, um, since I was 17 on my own. So redefining what family looks like to me being, you know, 
the first Christian in my family and really just having to trailblaze and start, you know, on my own and, and really make that decision for my life. And, and it has required me, whether I was comfortable or not, that was, it wasn't, you know, it, it was the path that I, that I just have. And it's, you know, my cross to bear is, is the, the pressures of wanting to feel that loneliness, um, but crying out for that living water and finding, I mean, now being 30 and, and, pressing through many years of, of the roller coasters of that, um, I found such a richness in building community with like girlfriends. I have the the best friends I've and support system that I've ever had. I mean, even my parent, my relationship with my parents has positively been affected by that, but really, um, having to redefine that family, what family actually looks like for me, um, has been, yeah, just, developing those really rich uh, relationships with girlfriends. But the problem is for me is actually finding other people like-minded like me um, for to have buy-in, to want to step into that Axe community because the uncomfortable lifestyle was, was just kind of what came with my choice of being a Christian. Um, you know, humbly, I probably would like fall back on you know idolizing and providing comfort in family if like I I had you know parents living on this side of the state and you know I I get to experience family through other families but I find it's been hard to find buy-in with people my age to really want to engage in that acts community um just for you know I, I haven't really found the answer but I, mean, I don't know if you have a anything to speak on buy-in and how, how you, if you have any other thoughts on, you know, engaging people, uh, into stepping into that. Yeah. I mean, thank you for sharing what you did because yeah, I for think sure. it, the whole time you're, you're talking, the word that, that really came to my mind is just, you are, you are stepping fully into this vocation. Mm of life that God has you. Like, I don't hear you using, which I think this was what we talked a little bit about this last time, but oftentimes we'll use, we'll use the language of of singleness. We'll add a word season, Mm -hmm. like the season of life that I'm in as this, like, hopefully maybe, possibly temporary thing Mm -hmm. until I get to the thing that I really want, you know, Mm -hmm. which is marriage or, you know, and, and you hear that often in, Mm -hmm. in the discussion. Again, I don't think that it's, it's meant to be hurtful or it's meant to to be a curse word. (laughs) Yeah. But when we use, I mean, seasons are meant, are, are temporary. Like let's, we live in Michigan. We have four seasons. <laughs> there is, there, thank the Lord that we don't live in a long, you know, never ending season of winter. Mm-hmm, but, right. but when we, we use that language, we use that word season, we automatically know it's temporary. And the thing is, is that, you know, like, let's look at Jesus. Mm-hmm. Jesus wasn't looking at his life as a single man on earth, as a season, looking for something beyond that it was his vocation and his call as a witness of the kingdom of God was made manifest most beautifully in his singleness in that way and so 
I think partly we have to look at there are some within the kingdom of God who are called to live a vocation of singleness and some who are called to live a vocation of, 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 of uh, marriage. And both have their unique contribution to giving the bigger, fuller picture of what the kingdom is. Marriage being one of earthly significance between uh, that points to Christ in, and the church, as Ephesians 5 says. But singleness, those, those who are walking, like I ask this question all the time. Do you think, like I mean, scripture is pretty clear, we won't have marriage in heaven. Mm-hmm. We're all going to be single <laughs> and unified with Jesus. So those who are walking this earth in a vocation of singleness, you are speaking to eternity. Like your life and, and your, your, your um, even on the days that are difficult, even on the days where you are, you're yearning for that deeper intimate connection with Jesus to fulfill those yeah. heart needs of yours points me as a married man to yearn for those same things, not towards my wife, but actually towards Jesus. Yeah. It challenges me because it could be so easily like easy to just kind of prop my wife up as the next idol, you know, mm-hmm. now that I, now, now that we're there when Jesus was always meant to do it. So, so you in your vocation and willingness to own that as mm-hmm. difficult as that is in its own unique difficulties, just like marriage has their its own unique difficulties points me to our eternal home with Christ. And so when it comes to like buy-in, I think first of all that, like, I mean, what are the, what's the church in Acts really showing us? Like right. deep sacrificial love towards, uh, towards others, right? Mm-hmm. Like we're willing to give up everything. We're willing to give and share everything in our homes and, and, and our spaces are, you know, our lives are, are open, exp- like wide to, to others that way. And so I think it, when it comes to our own buy-in into that, I mean, I think it, it matters very much that we're honest about what we like about the concept and the idea, but what parts of us we need to be honest too about like what things we're not really willing to sacrifice mm. and just come to that place first. Like, what am I worried about? What am I, what am I, what don't I want to give? And that's a hard pill to swallow sometimes, but I think it's a necessary one, you know? Am I worried that, you know, holidays are going to look different mm-hmm. because I'm adopting this? Like, I mean, it's a true story. That's a true thing. Like, no, this is, this is the tradition that we have in our home. Oh yeah. In, you know, <laughs> holidays I mean, is a fun time. Yeah. <laughs> Where am I going this year? And just every year it's an adventure. Totally. And, and that is, you know, f- that is of the responsible. I'm speaking to those of us who are married. I mean, that is something that my wife and I talked about is, is how, how do we open our home more expansively to reflect if, if we're going to be, cause I'm, you know, I'm very sensitive to our kids. Like, you know, we have younger kids, but they're even at this point already. Like when we get married when, and we're like, you know, well, if the Lord <laughs> would lead you to that, but that's okay. If he doesn't, mm-hmm. you know, that, that there's room for that. Well, if I'm going to, if I'm going to use that language with my kids to show them that there are these two unique vocations within mm-hmm. the kingdom, then I also want them to know and be loved by and have the opportunity to love 
people who are living that vocation of singleness Mm -hmm. out and seeing how valuable and how important of contributors they are to the life of our family and not because they provide good childcare, which is <laughs> what oftentimes single people are relegated to. And that's so sad to me because it's like, you know, are we talking, if we're talking discipleship, that's a whole different story. Mm-hmm. Right. But if it's just simply like, you know, the single people in our communities are the ones who stick with all the kids so that all the married couples can go out and have one-on-one time together. Mm-hmm. That's crap. <laughs> um, and we've got to, we've got to change the way that we do that. But, but really like if we're going to use language with my kids, if I'm going to tell Eve, my seven-year-old, like Eve, God, God may actually have you in all full of your passion and strength and joy uh, to live as someone who is is not married and who has the ability to live uniquely in this world that points to Jesus as a single woman, then where where are the opportunities for my Eve to meet women who are living in that way mm-hmm. today mm-hmm. in their 30s and are full of the joy of the Lord mm-hmm. and yet also n- need spiritual family? Yeah. To, to be a part of that. That is what we're aiming at. And so like, it's, it's not a matter of like, well, my buy-in is that um, we have to give up our, you know, or, or let go of our traditions that we have, or, mm-hmm. you know, our, our, t- our fists tightly ar- around how we do things around here. Like, no, the buy-in is for the deeper thing that I just said mm. is for the, for the generations to come to understand. And, and even in the moment we get to live out the joy of the kingdom of God with one another in that way mm-hmm. and it's just that's the fullness of life that we've been given yeah one verse that came to my mind as you guys are all talking and especially bringing up like this westernized idea of almost relating spirituality to family um it reminds me of matthew 12 um, like 46 through 50 It says, while he was still speaking to people, behold, his mother and his brother stood outside asking to speak to him. But he replied to the man who told him, who is my mother and who are my brothers? And stretching out his hand toward his disciples, he said, here are my mother and my brothers. For whoever does the will of my father in heaven is my brother and sister and mother. And it's just, I think it really points to what you were talking about. It's this kingdom reality, this spiritual reality that our family is not just like blood and marriage it's the people who do the will of christ it's the people who are passionately serving jesus together and and staying in connection with one another versus just oh my spiritual my spirituality culminates and ends in marriage and there's nowhere to go even though i'm married at 22 or 18 or 35 that's where i've arrived and now i'm done well and and to speak from a marriage standpoint of things like i I see a lot of couples on a regular basis who come in to my office for coaching and they, because they themselves have, I mean, they've been brought up in this mindset that when I get married, because that is like the Mm -hmm. ultimate fulfillment of my life, I don't even realize I'm not saying it this way, but really what that is, is my spouse will be able to fulfill all of my needs Mm -hmm. perfectly. And the reality is like so many couples come in here and you know, they may look at each other or look at me like he doesn't care about what my needs are and she doesn't, she's not meeting my needs and all that kind of stuff like that. And the reality is like, I'll look at them and say, you're, 
you're not complaining about the fact that your spouse isn't meeting your needs. You're complaining about the fact that your spouse isn't enough people. <laughs> and they'll just look at me like, what? And I'm like, your spouse was never meant to be able to meet all of your needs perfectly like you you signed on believing. Mm-hmm. What you're saying is your spouse isn't enough people. Because the reality is like, there's no way that a spouse will ever be able to hit on all of those longings that are in your heart. And if you're looking to your spouse to fulfill that, or let's add kids, then you start to look to your kids to fulfill those needs. It's just not going to happen and you'll end up being disappointed and you'll sit on the couch. <laughs> and and not that you then you have to look beyond that to to other people, but that is where you start to get into what what you know what was talked about already like the the spiritual family the community of God's people all in tandem with one another pointing one another to the person of Jesus as our fulfillment ultimately so how does someone who is single has a desire to not be single how does that person navigate their loneliness insecurity in your experience what are some maybe not like a three quick steps i don't think there are three quick steps to solving anything what are some principles or some perspectives that maybe someone who is single um some things that they could how they could rethink their singleness in a sense as to find more satisfaction in christ um if they're listening to the podcast yeah, and you all can chime in as well. I mean, as you've experienced it, I don't know if anything comes to mind right away. For me, at least, um, just whether like somebody's listening and they're single and they want to be married, somebody's listening and they're single and they're okay, whether they're dating, whether they are married, like all of these we're talking about needing community, needing more than one person, um, needing vulnerability and intimacy with the body of Christ and with people running after the way of Jesus. And so um, I'd be really interested to open up the conversation to like, how do we cultivate that? How do we, like we said, like Jesus can fulfill my needs. And to me, when I wanted to like get married, I was like, oh yeah, okay. Jesus can fulfill my needs. You know, like the sky invisible God I've always learned about my whole life. Yay, I'm happy now, quote unquote, air quotes that you can't see on the podcast. But um how does one actually go about the hard walk of brotherhood and discipleship and the difficult relationships that are so life-giving? How do we cultivate that? Whether it's like a like meditative practice, getting alone with Jesus, getting together with people and like actually being honest with people and walking out difficult relationships with people. How do we like, if we could all speak into that, how do we cultivate this in our lives, whether we're single or dating or married? So, you know, uh, first to go to to your question, Jake, I mean, one, one thing that brings me back is like, I remember that when I got to, when I, so I went to college and I went to a small Christian school and, you know, like if you've ever, if, if you were one who went to a small Christian school, you know, there is that joke of like, you go there <laughs> to get married, but it is a real thing. Mm-hmm. And, um, and I graduated and I thought, I remember feeling like a total failure, like, you know, and, and, and add in like 
the thought for me was also like I had to somehow first figure out how to become straight and then figure mm. out how mm. to how to get a girlfriend um, and keep a girlfriend because <laughs> I tried. Um, but I, I left feeling like a total failure. And so I think even in that, there is that thought sometimes like that, that what's wrong with me? Why doesn't anybody want me? Or, you know, so there's, there can be this, this already this attachment of shame to our souls when it comes to, to this conversation. Um, but I even found myself when, when I got to a place of true contentment of like, this is probably what, what my life will look like. I, I will be a single man. The shame in me was still there and unaddressed. So in order to communicate it to other people, I had to communicate it in such a way that felt really noble actually. And so I found like, I remember like telling people, yeah, I just, I feel called to live like a life like Paul. And as though that would be some noble way to explain my singleness because to not have a noble call, like, well, Paul had to be single so he could be a missionary and he could do like, like really speaks to how much shame was actually at play in my life of like, I didn't actually believe God to be good enough to call me into singleness, to actually say like out of his goodness that he says, what I have for you best is this, that it wasn't out of his goodness, that it was out of like, well, I didn't, I didn't achieve that. So my shame says you got to put something, you got to, you got to wash this in such a way where it's, people are going to walk away going, wow, that's really admirable. Right. And so I think one of the, one of the ways, like if you are in that season where you do, you, you would rather not be single and you do long for that, that close connection. And, and maybe it's through marriage that way. Like, I think one of the things we first have to do is we have to acknowledge where there may be shame, hmm. you know, where shame might actually be a part of our story and what that might look like. Because, you know, I mean, to your point, like when you said, like, how do we get to this place where there has to be vulnerability, there has to be openness, shame isolates us Mm -hmm. that is the work that is the total goal and work of shame is shame isolates us vulnerability connects us and so you know rather than feeling like if you're in that place where you would rather not be where you are that you 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 metabolize that shame in such a way where you do you know, you are able to acknowledge what it is and what's at play there, but then how you move towards the people that are around you isn't as someone who's figured that shame out now. And now I've gotten to a place where I have that, I have a really good answer, but actually in that place of vulnerability that says, this is actually really hard. This isn't what I thought. This isn't the life that as a kid, I thought I'd, I'd be living or I thought I'd be in a different place. Lead with that then bring that version that's the most honest version of yourself you can bring that version to not only to the community that you're in but that is the exact version that god says that's that's who i want to be brought to i want you to come as that to my table with those hands open on the table because that's that's the version of you that i want to tend to that's your heart and so we can come to god's table with our disappointment in hand open out in the open saying i i'm disappointed 
that I'm not where I thought I was going to be or where I want to be right now. Now, how do you want to tend to that part of my soul? Um, yeah, I think um, I've reached that point a lot in their last couple of years. Um, and I, I mentioned this story um, when I got to share access um, a little while ago, but it touched on something you said earlier. And I was in my car and I was sitting outside of Reed's Lake and I was I was just wrestling with God and I felt the emptiness feeling in my heart again. And I'm like, oh, this is just, this is so dumb. Like, and I told myself in my heart, head, I'm like, okay, this is just a season. <laughs> that same thing. And God's like, this isn't a season. This is this right now, what we're doing in this moment. This is, this is us. Like, this is us. And if you feel empty he's like this is the rest of your life because you know the right answer that because you know I've been single long enough you know and I've learned in relationship and been in counseling for five years you know that I know in my head the right answer is you know it's not just going to get better when you're married like it's cemented I'm like okay it's not going to get better when I'm married not going to get better when I'm married so then it, it doesn't it's not a distraction I can I can really grab onto anymore which points me back to that place in your heart, you know, when you meet that place. And he's like, this is us. This is where we're at. And he he basically was like, this isn't a season. Singleness isn't a punishment. This is where we're at. And like what you feel right now, that is the level of closeness that you're feeling with us. That is your relationship with me. Obviously, that's not the fullness of who God is, but that's how I am experiencing and that's how much I you know, know him, um, in that way. And pretty much just, I, I felt such embrace, a sobering reality, but also such an invitation and an embrace of like, okay, I want to figure this out with God. And yeah, that was a couple years ago, but really, um, for me in this season, it really, you know, something I, I do want to, I have, I have a question I want to ask you, what does it look like to, to know you're called to be single? I, you know, people, you know, called to singleness and you're like, how do you know that? Is it, <laughs> is it a certain amount of time? And I'm like, okay. It's uh, a voice that comes when from you're like, yeah, yeah. How do you know that? So I, I, I'm just going to plant that seed whenever, if we get a chance. But, um, but for me, my heart has always been so for community that I just can't help but, and my need cries out for the Lord. And so it's been a partnership of one, really trying to dive into becoming healthy, not to earn somebody loving me, which maybe that was partially the motivation at first, but really there's just the amount of self-awareness and freedom and love and truly the truth just bringing me in freedom has just completely changed. It's been revolutionary for my life to, to be going to counseling because I just had some trauma that was undealt with and it, it was masking my entire lens of how I was able to live my life. It capped the level of freedom that I was able to live in. Um, but then really embracing, um, like-minded people in my, my house, uh, that I live in, we, um, all, we all have buy-in, which is a gift of genuinely wanting to see each other and and pursuing that daily life together. And we've been starting. It's taken two years 
of talking about it, but really have been starting to commit to like praying with each other every week and having like family dinners on Sunday. Like Abby actually came over last night to my house for that and just starting small and really wanting to build the momentum of like authentic. Like I, I want Axe community, whether or not <laughs> I know other people with the awareness of the desperate need that I'm so aware of in my heart for this, um, half of it would be, I guess, seeking authentic community and then the other half, which counseling is part of it but then um really I mean wholly seeking God to be living water and being like okay you went out of your way to meet the the woman at the well Jesus you weren't just playing with her when you were saying that she was like she didn't have to look any anywhere else like he was the one she was looking for so really having to take that like for face value and saying like clearly there is more you have for me in my life. You wouldn't want me to like this. Surely this isn't the best you have for me. So it's kind of embracing the mystery and diving in like what does actually tangibly intimacy with Jesus look like? Not like what Abby was saying, just clouds in the sky, which do I, I do love clouds in the sky and I know you do too. But actually, what does that look like when you can't hug the person in, you know, in life form and and not just because I think I'm also someone that could also use community as an idol, which, you know, and it's people can be so distracted by, I just need to have plans. I just need to have plans. I just need to have plans. And it's a drug that just gets you through the day. But you don't really have this greater vision for like, am I actually just in community to live for myself and feed me because I I feel empty inside and I'm desperate and I'm a beggar needing to be loved? Or am I actually bringing myself to table as full and able to pour out, which is a total way of doing different way of doing community, which is actually acts is not coming empty, requiring someone to fill you and needing community for that way, which, you know, is just so different. So I, I think not putting all of my need on on other people and owning that and ask it crying out in the like, I don't know what this looks like, but. I've been on that journey and yeah, it's been great, but yeah, it's been kind of a three part journey, <laughs> but yeah. So I want to pick up where you had, you had left off where, how do we do this no mm -hmm. matter what vocation we are in, you know, in, 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 in our lives. And, but I, there's that question that you, you did throw out that seed, oh, yeah. like, how it's do we know? <laughs> um, and I, and I, so this is like right or wrong. This is how I tend to view this. Sure. Like it's not a matter of, am I called to singleness or am I called to marriage? Like right. I think the higher level calling of which we all share as members of the body, because this is what it means for us to actually work in unity with one another is that we share a calling and our calling is as witnesses to the gospel. And the way in which we bear witness to the gospel will be through these different vocations. And we, we usually think of vocations as like what we do in work, right? Mm -hmm. But we're talking life vocation here. So the how do I, in this unique time, bear witness to the gospel? I cannot be a witness to the gospel in the same way that you get to be a witness to the gospel. Mm -hmm. Everything that you just described is like, is beautiful. Like that, that moment in the car, that ability to engage Jesus in that, in that hard place of 
this is what this is all I have, and this is the longing that's in me, and this is the this is the place of true communion with Him, and the invitation that you experience Him giving you, and the way that He you experience Him loving you in that moment, is a witness to the gospel for me. Mm. Wow. And that is that is what our high calling is is isn't like just that was you just being able to experience that for yourself like Mm -hmm. you just made it not about just you it 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 by it it, like it moves beyond the something that is just for you to be filled by him the overflow is something we all just experienced Mm -hmm. because you have the confidence that he can give you exactly what you are needing and it isn't out of your reserves then that you are bearing witness to the gospel. It's out of the overflow because he gives far more than what we even know. Mm-hmm. And and so I think that that's where we have to continue to come back to is our calling in the body is a shared calling as witnesses of the gospel. The way in which we will vocationally live that out will be different from one another. And because of the 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 difference or the uniqueness in the midst of that unity that's where we begin to experience the fullness of of what what we see in scripture yeah um i just i love everything that you're saying and i was um it's just it's just so crazy how God works. I was spending some alone time with the Lord and I was just, I myself have recently just entered into a new relationship. We've been dating for like a month this Thursday. Anyway, it doesn't, that's not the important part. The important part is like, as I was spending time with God, reflecting, talking, just having a conversation with him, you know, I did my, my devotional, my plan that I've been doing. And then I was just conversating with God. I was asking him questions and, and, um, the, thought that occurred to me was that she is a gift and not the goal and he just redirected my focus because you know in the beginning of this new relationship I've been very much focused on her been very much spending my time with her and I wouldn't say getting distracted but it's like my attention is elsewhere Paul talks about it he's like the, the married man is focused on you know pleasing his wife and not you know the affairs of the Lord and I was just it was just thinking, I was like, God, you know, what am I, you know, what's, what do you need to tell me right now? That was the question I was asking him. It's like, what are you communicating? He's like, don't get distracted. She's a gift. She's not the goal. And I just love, it's, I think it speaks directly to what you were saying. It's like, we all have a calling and how we express that, whether it's, you know, where you, whether this relationship lasts or not, whether you get married, whether you stay single forever, you know, a relationship can be a blessing but it's not the end all be all it's not the goal like we've been saying the whole time our goal is to fulfill our calling and our purpose that god gave us before we were even born before we were even formed in our mother's womb so i want to go back to something (laughs) then can we go here like what if you can like throw the question out the way that you had asked it before Mm because it was you know several conversations back but like if you can throw that question out again and then well uh, there's something that i think is really important that is for any person who's Mm -hmm. listening to this you know single or married or dating or whatever so what was your question again in relation to 
what Jake had said. Yeah, I think my question was kind of like the practicals of like somebody listening. How do I do this? How do I cultivate this in my life? If we're saying, oh, be like, be content with Jesus. Yay, I'm content. But like, I, I don't know how to do that. Like one, that's a whole lesson in discipleship of like meditate it, like contemplation and meditation and like intimacy with the Lord is completely like we're not trained in that we're trained in like reading the Bible and like going to church and like there's so much more in there of like that could be a whole nother conversation whole hour podcast on like the contemplative life and like seeking the Lord and intimacy with the Lord but just like whether whatever vocation you're in whatever whatever step you find yourself in in your life whether 50 or 10 or 20 or wherever you're at um single dating married how do we cultivate this community and these raw relationships and the the kind of like kind of what we've been we've been talking through like communing with the lord is one of them um not isolating ourselves dealing with our shame counseling is a great way just different steps that are more practical to the people listening is like okay this sounds great how do i do this what are like what do i do yeah so, so the thing that popped in my mind, I mean, to add to all of the things that have already been said, but um, one of the practices that I actually will do with both single and married individuals is something called heart mapping, because I think we can. It's so easy for us to go down that road of, okay, so if if I need to, if I'm going to embrace this life, am I, if I'm going to, you know, it, it, like, the, there's a difference between head knowledge and heart knowledge. And, and so often we can say, yeah, I know that God's going to meet my needs. I know that Jesus can be, you know, I can be married to Jesus or however you want to use that language. Like, I know that, but I believe something different. And in order for us to really get to that, like, I mean, the thing is, is God is far less content on what we can do for him to materialize or, or, or make ourselves feel content with him and far more desirous of our exposed hearts before him, like truly exposed hearts. And so what I find is that like oftentimes when it comes to what makes walking this life, no matter who you are, but let's just because of the nature of the conversation at hand today, like what makes certain things like singleness difficult to to embrace and 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 when we find that is that there are things that like we all know that experience of when we're walking through life and we're feeling peaceful we're good you know like everything's just we're we're just content or or easygoing our heart rate is just at a at a just a normal heart and then something happens like boom like just heart rate, you know, flies through the roof or suddenly it's just like, I am just, it, you know, there's really no other way to, to you, what other word, but like, but trigger, we're triggered by something could be something somebody said or a memory or a, a longing or whatever, or a, a movie that I'm watching, all of a sudden it triggers something in me. And oftentimes where we tend to live is in that trigger response mode, like, will 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 there'll be something that happens and then we'll just behave and it'll always more than not be an intuitive response to that trigger and so we're just there and we live so easily in that trigger response mode and you know one of the things that i found 
to be really helpful, not only for myself, but for a lot of other people is this idea of, of doing this heart mapping where we can go to a deeper level of going, okay, if my response to this situation and scenario, so like, let's use an example. I was in a small group when I was a single man and, you know, great group of people. I was really excited to dive in. I really wanted to be a contributor. And then, um, and then I think I said this in that podcast, the last one was like, there, it was the prayer time and the gal, like one of the gals started praying and she's like, Lord, we just, we thank you for all the single people in this, in this community, in our group. And, um, well, I know that Brad is single and actually I think Brad's the only single person. So we just pray for Brad. And like, it was just like <laughs> oh, no. prayer in like a really like, Oh, poor, poor Brad. Like help him Lord to have some type of joy and like, can we talk about a major trigger? Um, <laughs> partly because like for me, it wasn't even triggered by that necessarily. It was I in doing this heart mapping work, I realized for me, like, and I'll, I'll explain how I got there. But at the end of the day, I always, for me growing up with the experience that I was experiencing as a same sex attractive man, individual, always wondered would I truly belong and that that question that I was searching for at a deep heart level was suddenly triggered our triggers always tell stories mm -hmm. they are always telling stories of something deeper within us and most of us aren't trained to actually pay attention to those stories and so for me in that moment it wasn't feeling like an outcast of like, oh, I, I'm, I'm single and woe is me. I'm not married. And she's praying for me as a single. It was, I don't belong. Mm. I don't belong. And that is what left me going, peace out. I'm not coming back to this thing. And I didn't. My response was, well, if I don't belong here, then I'll go someplace else where I can find belonging. Mm -hmm. And so this heart mapping work is to go, okay, we have to move beyond the trigger response trigger behavior mindset that oftentimes we're in and go, okay, what is the emotion that I'm feeling under the surface? Do I even know how to talk about this? Do I, ex do I know how to express what that emotion is for guys? Um, you may have to take a little bit more time and, and work because a lot of men have been, you know, been told to, to detach themselves from their emotions, you know? Um, but, when I can express and, and explain and come to place with, with what those emotions are, then from there, I go to a deeper level of my heart, which is this. What is the belief that I have about myself? Or like I like to put it, what's the story I'm telling myself right now? And so when I can, when I can get to that place, oftentimes if I'm paying attention to what the story is that I'm telling myself is for me in that situation, it was... I'm not welcome or I don't belong. Well, that story and how that comes out is not a story of joy. It's not a story of blessing. It's a story of suffering. You don't belong, Brad. And that story of suffering, if it's a story of suffering, it's always attached to shame. There's always something that is shameful that's attached to it. And so why it's important to talk, to take, you know, stock of what's the story I'm telling myself in that place is our stories are always attached to our, to what we really truly need at a core level, to our core longings. 
Why is this important? Because I think a lot of times when we're talking about, oh, I know I can bring my needs to Jesus and I know Jesus will fulfill my needs. And we, we, we say it from like a pie in the sky kind of way. The reality is a lot of us are so detached from what our core longings really truly are. Mm-hmm. We think we know what we need, but what we really say is what we need is we need companionship. What we need is we need this person to love me or we need a spouse and then I'll be fine. No, what we need is we need affirmation. Mm-hmm. I'm feeling suddenly, my, because of this situation, I'm feeling insecure or I'm feeling unsafe or I'm, I'm feeling uh, a, a sense of, uh, of unenoughness. That heart mapping will get us to what our true core longings actually are. And it is only then that we are able to present them to Jesus with open hands and say, this is what I really need. This is the need that you really truly do want to fulfill and you want to meet. I just have needed to come to this place of actually getting myself to come in true vulnerability to you in that place. Anything, anything shallower than that isn't actually how he wants to meet us. He wants to meet us at our deepest heart longing because so when, that is where so we'll when you say fulfilled. present that to jesus are you you're saying in prayer in prayer journaling in solitude journaling any number of practice where you where you are you are able to in that place articulate them not i think we have to articulate them just as much for ourselves as we do towards him and then and then from there it's it's firstly through our communion with god Secondly, then, towards community and others that are around us. And it's also like I can when I when I am learning what those needs are that are at a core level, I actually as an adult, I have to learn how to give myself those needs as well. Like sometimes I'm feeling that sense of of insecurity or a lack of safety and or 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 a lack of affirmation. I had to do this the other day. <laughs> My goodness. I I I needed to stand there and actually like speak affirmation over myself. Because because the little boy in me says, "Am I? Am I am I am I affirmed? Am I am I good enough?" Mm-hmm. Like we get to do that to ourselves as well, but it comes firstly as as we present those to Jesus, we experience him loving us in that place. Then we move towards community where it's not a codependent kind of thing. I move towards community in this way so that I can get my needs met. Instead, I'm already getting my needs met. And so now I go to community in the overflow of that and then towards others as well. Does that make sense? Yes. So that, I know that's a, like, it takes several times to walk through that with other people, but that is a very practical, like, map that you can actually lay out and and go step by step trigger response emotion story shame or 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 um goodness and then what's the core need and you might just sit in that for for a good chunk of time but if you do that more and more that becomes a place where you you it's it's the meeting ground for for communion with god at that place mm, yeah to bring it, if I have time, to bring it super practical real quick for people listening, I realize now like I accidentally heart mapped and I didn't realize I was doing it when I was like 19 or so and I realized I was idolizing marriage. I like, I was the child that grew up and I was like, what would happen when if your spouse dies? Your whole life was to meet them. I like, 
you should just die too then like because it's over your whole po- life was like that's yeah, the notebook yeah, yeah your whole life was that purpose and so like that was what i grew up with and so i in really seeking out a relationship with the lord and learning um the spiritual disciplines and practices and like presenting things to jesus what does that look like journaling and prayer and all these other th- practices um just to make heart mapping super practical for people for me there was so much media, so many movies, so many shows that like promised you the relationship was the fulfillment. That was the point. Happily ever after the story end, her whole story was to get married, was to find the dude um, or for guys to find the girl, but um, or not um, just to find that relationship, to find something that fulfills you. And so for me, I started to surrender that where the trigger was movies. It was, I would be watching it and I would feel my heart awaken to a scene or something. And there would be that longing inside. And so I accidentally, I didn't even know as like a 19 year old would, I had this journal where I would see the movie. I would write down the scene and what it triggered in my heart. And so for one of them, it was like a husband looking out and his wife was like in the garden and he smiled and it like triggered my heart. And I was like, what did I want there? And it was like, I wanted to be loved even when I'm not doing anything special, even when I'm not like this super special, like look at her go defeating the aliens, Wonder Woman, something. It was like, she was just gardening and I want to be loved there. And I had this journal that I kept and then I would go and I would pray with that journal say, Lord, like I have no idea. At that point, it was still like this further idea of like, you can't hug God. You can't like, what does this look like? It was just God. If you're real and you've created me with these desires, I believe that you meet me here. I believe that you meet me in this desire of being loved even when I'm not doing anything special, when I'm just in the mundane and the normal. And so it was like heart mapping could be like this really like you need a counselor to do it or you're saying like just go in your room and recognize the trigger and just sit in it. Like before you said like invite the feeling onto your front porch. Just like take that and have a conversation. And even if you get no answer, which I didn't, you're just bringing that out and it's changing you and you're growing in relationship as the Lord is you say, I believe you can meet me here. And I think you can. And then going into community and talking about it and other people are like, I have that too. And then you're growing in it and it's just, it's really cool. That's like really good. You're talking, I'm hearing like emotional intelligence. I'm hearing not just allowing your emotions just to run rampant in your life, but you're almost um, taking an inventory of like, what's, what's like driving even my bodily expressions because emotions will often, right. They'll trigger bodily, right. Heart rate, you know, blushing or any of these things, goosebumps, you know, whatever it is. And just instead of being a, someone who's just naive or ignorant to what's going on in our, in our bodies and our emotions, like taking those things to God, you know, so many times or we just are like, well, it's the Bible, and then it's prayer about the kingdom of God, which is a concept that we don't really even understand, but we pray about it, you know, and, and it's saying, no, let's, the kingdom of God is actually breaking through, like Jesus is gripping our lives to towards greater allegiance to him when we do things like that. It's like when we are offering, like Romans 12 says, offer your bodies as a living sacrifice. We're thinking of ourselves, you know, going to Africa, but what if it's us taking our emotions to God and offering those to him? What if it's taking our, you know, our phones and our movies and our media and we're saying, hey, I'm going to offer these things because I have no clue the influence and impact they're having and how they shape my view of 
right now for this this conversation marriage i have no and sexuality and my needs i have no idea what those things are doing to me so i'm going to offer those and build a relationship with the spirit of god um yeah just through growing in emotional intelligence and not just allowing life to happen in my mind and my heart without without being responsible and 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 intentional with it so that's just was buzzing in my head when 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 you were saying that and we just i feel like we just live in a young people i think we're growing in emotional intelligence but i think ultimately most people are ignorant to emotional intelligence and tips and tricks and ways to grow grow in understanding who they are and growing and understanding what's happening in their mind and in their heart and in their body and i just love the the practical that you gave of like recognizing a movie <laughs> you know and how that affects our uh just our, our relationship with christ and our health as humans but i think what are we at what, what time are we at right now oh my gosh we got to close this up two episodes right how do we want to close this out we can just close it out <laughs> yeah what are some last things you'd you'd give to us brad as we kind of close out the podcast you know just as everything in life is this way um we're, we need to talk about this as like a, on a, on a, um, a, a journey and a process. And so, you know, we can talk about things in this room where, you know, some of these practicals or some of the exper- experiences that we've had can come from a place of, you know, having met Jesus in that spot. Um, but I think we can also just as much um, come to him with our doubt, you know, with, you know, we've talked about a lot of that. Jesus, I believe that you can meet me here in this space. Um, but we can just as much come to him and say, I don't believe. And, and I need you to meet me in that place of unbelief today. I'm really struggling today. I don't know if you are good in the, in, in the place and in, in the time that I'm living and his shoulders are, are much more broad than what we even think. He's able to carry that, that burden and that weight for us. Um, the thing that I, I always come back to is this reminder of it is, it is, it is God who wants to do all the heavy lifting, you know? And so it's very much in that Matthew 11 kind of a way of when he, when he says, come to me, you who are weary and who are heavy laden, uh, the 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 calling that we share is as witness of the gospel is a beautiful calling. The way in which we are we are called like we are invited to live that out um, has the potential, when done on our own and in our own strength, to be crushing. It just does. That is either singleness or marriage. It ha- if done in our own strength, under our own devices, with our own wisdom, it will crush us. I have seen it in my own life. I have seen it in countless and numerous lives, people coming into my office who are just done with wherever they are. And that is where we come back to this place in this reality of Matthew 11 when Jesus says, you come, you come and hang out with me. I'm, I'm not going to put anything ill-fitting upon you. Like that in and of itself. I'm not going to put anything that I haven't already determined doesn't fit you. I, I'm not going to put that on you. 
so we can have the confidence and even in our lack of belief, in our, in our unbelief, we can go, yeah, but Jesus says, I'm not going to put anything on you that's meant to crush you. I'm not putting anything on you where I'm going to make you do heavier lifting than I'm doing for you. And so it is in that way we can go, okay, if you say, come to me when you are weary, when you are heavy laden, when you are burdened, when you are worn out. And even in fact, in, in, in the Matthew 11 version of, of, of the message says, when you're, when you're burnt out on religion, <laughs> which I'm like, yes, thank you. Yes, that's me. Sign me up. But he, he's like, I'm not going to put, come, come and watch how I do this. Come and watch the ways that I live my life. And, and I think when it comes to then the answer of what are the practicals, when, when we are drawing near to the person of Jesus, when we are getting to know the ways of Jesus, most of the time the reason why we feel like it's heavier than it's meant to be is because we still keep coming back to that place of putting, putting the burden and the yoke back upon our shoulders to do heavier lifting than what we are meant to in this. And, and so when we can take that, take Jesus at his word, when he says, come watch how I do it, come, I'm not going to put anything burdensome and ill-fitting on you. And we're going to walk this thing out together and, and you, you need to be yoked, but you're, you're not yoked to your singleness. You're not yoked to your marriage. You're yoked to me. And then how you walk this out, we're going to do this in stride side by side with one another. And I love at the end of that, how Peterson translates it. Learn from me the unforced rhythms of grace. So then the how in which I walk this out is going to be, it and ought to be one that feels incredibly unforced and unreligious, but is really just about us walking side by side together. So no matter where you are, what, no matter what vocation you are particularly living in in this season as a witness of the gospel, that invitation is the same. And perhaps the, 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 maybe the thing that I would encourage then is if you're in a place today where it is just, it feels wearing to be in this place. It, you, you are battling that loneliness or that shame or the disappointment of singleness, of I'm not where I thought I needed to be where I wanted to be, what I feel is expected of me to be, no matter what that is, camp out on that Matthew 11 passage and say, what is it, Jesus in particular, that I have yoked upon my shoulders that is much heavier than what you've already, what you've said you've intended for me? And what does it look like for me to come out from underneath that yoke and to place the one that he has so graciously given us to carry? That's a great way to end. That's a great way to end. Well, uh, Brad, just I don't. I just want to say thank you for taking the time out to have this conversation. Uh, Abby, Melanie, and Alec, thank you for your contribution. And this is the close of the first episode of our dating and marriage episodes on the Access Podcast. We'll see you guys next time.